Okay, thank you, Mike. Yeah, Thanks for working okay. through that. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, as, as I just uh, was thinking about how special it is that we are here because of the pandemic we're meeting online and how special it is to remember this time that you guys have been meeting online and um, this is not just like for, for no reason that you're meeting online, but it's like we are gathering together and worshiping the Lord during this time of the pandemic. So let's start with our message this morning, which is Connecting Generations Unity. Let's, let's pray before we start. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful morning that we can think about the topic of unity and how it affects us especially between the, the young and the older generation in the church. So, Lord, I just pray that today you will once again raise our hearts to you um, and open our hearts to whatever you want to say to us, each one of us, and that you will use this time to, to really glorify your name through your word and uh, build us up in your word. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we know, the church has been meeting online due to the pandemic. Because of that, you may only see a small subset of the people online that you usually see at church. Just because someone at church is not part of your small group or language of worship, you may still talk to them, right? And you may serve with them when you are at church. So I think this is already very challenging to unite the generations in church during the normal times. It's even more important that we now strive for unity in the church among the generations as churches emerge from the pandemic. Today we'll be looking at one, what is unity? Two, what are the generations? And three, how can we connect the generations in unity? Number one is voice unity. I chose two verses for us to read today because there are two kinds of unity in the church. First, there's a relational unity, which is what you, Ephesians 4, 3 talks about. And second, there's the unity in faith and knowledge, which is what Ephesians 4, 13 talks about. We need both of them to have true fellowship or partnership in the Lord. Like in Philippians 1, 5, which says, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. So first, let's look at relational unity, what that is. Ephesians 4, 3 says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. In other words, connecting generations is to bond the generations together, and this bond is the bond of peace. Therefore, we should make every effort to bond the generations together in unity, in peace and harmony, and striving to keep the unity given by the Holy Spirit. Our unity is a spiritual unity given by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, it's a supernatural unity. It's not unity that's forced upon by some human system, human method. So how can we bond the generations together in church? Well, we need to do everything to maintain peace between each other. In Christ, it's not about the title, but about the relationship. How can we have the right relationship with each other? How can we encourage each other to bond together and not to create a distance between us? How can we be united with love and peace and not split into factions or parties? 
Verse 2 tells us the secret. He says to be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. So the relational unity in the church is not something we can accomplish by our natural self, but it's truly the work of the Holy Spirit in us as we submit to the Spirit of God, who brings us together to love each other and also to be humble, to be gentle, to be patient to each other. So I see this in the way that brothers and sisters talk to each other at church, right? Full of joy, full of gentleness, full of love, full of care. And I see this in a way, also the children's Sunday school teachers, uh, or just the Sunday school teachers would be so patient, so gentle, and loving to the children, to the students. So I see this in our church meetings, right, where everyone just gives their input with humility and consider others as better than themselves. I see this in the small group, where the members really appreciate and really support the leaders and care for each other in the group. I see this also in the small group leaders uh, being humble, being gentle, being patient, and bearing with their members. Maybe uh, when their members are uh, late to the meeting, uh, when their me uh, members uh, forget to do something uh, that they had a promise. All these things are just um, things that the small group leaders exhibit in their uh, humility, their gentleness, and patience. So when we practice being completely humble and gentle and patient, we actually model this to each other, right? And the fact is that everyone will start acting this way. Because how can someone continue to be arrogant when everyone else is trying to be you know, humble, right? And uh, how can someone continue to be impatient when everyone else is, try is practicing patience? And how can someone continue to be very harsh when everyone is just so gentle, right? So may God help us to be completely humble, uh, gentle, patient, bearing with one another, in love, and then make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Amen? May God help us. Number two is the unity in faith and knowledge. Ephesians 4.13 says, Until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So how can we have unity in faith and knowledge? The Bible tells us how God accomplished this in verses 11 to 12. Verse 11 says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers, verse 12, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And Ephesians 2.20 also tells us that God used the apostles and prophets to lay the foundation of the church with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone is through God's servants that the gospel is passed down faithfully through these 
2008. And today in the church, people are called by God to be pastors, to be teachers, to be evangelists, to equip God's people for works of service. So I thought it's kind of uh, uh, useful or important to to know the statement of faith of the church. So I did go to the Home of Christ for Church website, the English uh, website, and I found the HLC for statement of faith. So I think it's we're not time this morning just to read it together. Just to refresh, what is the statement of faith for the church? So our belief, number one, we believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as the three persons of the one and only true Triune God. He is the ruler of the universe. He is the creator of the heavens and the earth and all that is within it. Number two, we believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son, conceived through the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, was sentenced and died on the cross, was resurrected to life after three days, ascended into heaven, and according to the will of the Father, will return again. He is the only mediator between man and God, the only Savior for the world, the head of the church. Number three, we believe that the Holy Spirit is sent by God to be our counselor. He convicts the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness. He works in the hearts of the believers and is with them forever. He guides us into all truth. Number four, we believe that all 66 books contained in the Old and New Testaments are the Holy Spirit Word of God is the ultimate authority for godly living, is inerrant and trustworthy. Number five, we believe that man is made in the image of God through the fall of Adam, sin entered into the world, and mankind has been sinful since. And only by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ can man find forgiveness of sins and thus receive eternal life. Salvation is given to us by grace and is received through faith and not by one's own works. Number six, we believe that those who put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ will one day be raised to life to live eternally. In the same way, the unbelievers will one day be raised to life to be condemned. Number seven, we believe that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. The church is his body. And the church is also the household of the eternal God. The church is also the place of worship and fellowship for those who have been saved by the precious blood of Christ, Jesus Christ and regenerated by Holy Spirit. So everything we do at church is to help us understand these truths and build us up to be more mature in our faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ. We're here to understand the Bible more. We're here to know God more, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're here to understand more what salvation means and our future hope in the Lord. We're here to understand more God's will for our life. 
God's purpose to equipping us is so that we can all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In other words, so that we can be more spiritually mature as the body of Christ, not just individually, but the whole church, and become more and more spiritually mature in Christ, growing together, helping and supporting each other by the grace of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. How wonderful and joyful it is to see brothers and sisters growing in Christ. How wonderful it is to see everyone praying and serving one another. Amen. I'm not hearing myself echoing, so uh, could I have a sound check? Because uh, someone tell me if I'm still speaking, if you can still hear me. Uh, yes, Mike, uh, you're, you're coming good. And amen. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, let, let's continue with number two is what are the generations? When we talk about generations, what generations are we talking about? According to researchers in America, we can classify the following generations. So in 2021, the silent generation would be from the ages of 76 to 93. The boomers would be from the ages of 57 to 75. Generation X would be from the ages of 41 to 56. Millennials are from the ages of 25 to 40. And Generation Z are from the ages of 9 to 24, even though there has been no endpoint set. And so if you look at the years, so the Gen Z will be born from 1997 to 2012. Millennials will be born from 1981 to 1996. Generation X will be born from 1965 to 1980. And baby boomers will be born from 1946 to 1964. And the silent generation will be born from 1928 to 1945. So in the Chinese church, not only do we have generations that's based on our age, but actually we have generations that's based on when we came to the US. I saw this helpful table that breaks down into the different categories of immigrants and their families. So the first G would be the first generation is someone who's born abroad and is the primary immigrant to the US. And the second G is the second generation is someone who is born in the U.S. and is the children of the first generation. And so this is based on the birthplace. And then based on the age of immigration, the 1.5 G is someone who's born abroad, the young dependents of the primary immigrant who immigrated at the age of 12 or under. So for me, I would be a 1.5 G. And then this table is even more interesting because it makes new categories based on the cultural or linguistic affinity. So the 1.6 to 1.9 G are those who are born abroad, who are the young dependents of the primary immigrants who immigrated before the age of five. And then there's the 1.1 to 1.4 G is someone who's born abroad, young dependents of the primary immigrant who immigrated at age of 12 or, or older. So usually this, uh, I guess, 1.1 to 1.4 G person would be uh, someone who's very bilingual, uh, who knows Chinese is still very good and also whose English is good because they, they grew up here uh, in the U.S. through their teenage and uh, adult years. So we also have the 0.5 to 0.7 G who are born abroad, who are adults, dependents who follow the primary immigrant to the U.S., and these are usually the parents or the spouse of the first G, the 
the, the primary immigrant. So now you see why in the Chinese church, it's hard to connect the generations together in unity because not only we have to deal with a generation gap of age, but we also have the generation gap of the different cultural experiences. However, whether you're Gen Z, Millennial, Gen X, baby boomers, silent generation, whether you're 1G, 2G, 1.9G, 1.5G, 1.1, or 0.5G, if you're in Christ, you have been born spiritually into the family of God, amen? Into the generation, I would say the generation of Jesus Christ. In Christ, we're all, I would say, Gen J, and that stands for Generation Jesus. The purpose of talking about the generation is not to divide us, but actually is to help unite us through better understanding of the unique experiences that we each bring into the one body of Christ and how we can better serve each other together in Christ. So I'm not just saying we're Gen J because it sounds cool, because actually the Bible places great importance on the generations. Do you know that in the book of Genesis, there are 10 generations mentioned? The book of Genesis consists of 10 generations of something or someone. The Hebrew word is toledot, which means generations. So let's take a look at that 10 generations. The first one is the generations of heaven and earth from chapter 2 to chapter 4. And then after that uh, is the generations of Adam from chapter 5 to chapter 6. And number 3 is the generation of Shem, chapter 11. And then after that, the generations of Terah from chapter 11 to chapter 25. And then number seven, the generations of Ishmael in chapter 25. And number eight, the generations of Isaac, chapter 25 to 35. And then number nine, the generations of Esau, chapter 36. And uh, finally, number 10, the generations of Jacob from chapter 37. To 50. Each generation is talking about the family of that person. For example, the last generation is talking about what happened to the family or the descendants of Jacob. So Jesus Christ started a new family, a new generation, a new toledot when he came from heaven to earth to die for our sins on the cross. Through Jesus, God started a new generation of sons and daughters, breaking down the walls between the Jews and Gentiles, making them one, Ephesians 2, 14. And that's why Hebrews 2, 10 to 11 says, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God for whom and through whom everything exists should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people perfect, uh, makes people holy and who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. We belong to the family and generation of Jesus. Actually, the work of the church is to bring all the generations that we talked about into the generation of Jesus, right? Because only in Jesus Christ can we have true unity. Amen? So now number three is how can we connect the generations in our church uh, in unity? Number one is to serve together. We shouldn't separate the family when we serve just because it might be more efficient or effective. 
I credit this insight to my pastor, Joe Sun, who mentioned this in a sermon. It may be less efficient or effective and much slower to bring the children along to serve together, but it's worth the effort, just as the Israelites did not listen to Pharaoh when he wanted only the men to go worship the Lord. But Exodus 10, 9, Moses answered, We will go with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters, and with our flocks, and hurts because we are to celebrate a festival to the Lord. Therefore, let's continue to connect the generations at church to serve together. Amen. Number two is to be mentored. Mentoring is teaching through a relationship. Mentoring has been the way people throughout history has passed experiences and values from one generation to the next. In the Bible, we see mentoring examples such as Eli and Samuel such as Elijah and Elisha, Moses and Joshua, Barnabas and Paul, and Paul and Timothy. Mentoring is an empowering process. Mentoring is a relational experience when one person empowers another by sharing God-given resources. The God-given resources can be wisdom, can be experiences, can be habits, can be principles, and can be character. So why don't we share our experiences of successes and failures with the next generation and provide wisdom and counsel that we have gained over the years of walking with the Lord? God wants us to share with the next generation our experiences of walking with the Lord so they can learn from our experiences so they can better face their own challenges in their generation. And that's why we study church history, right? So that we can gain the knowledge and wisdom from all the lessons from the past, hopefully, and uh, that we can learn from all these lessons from the past. And so not just to learn the lessons from the past, but to help us so that we know how to face our own challenges in this generation. Think about the challenges that we face right now today, right? And how uh, church history can give us wisdom to know uh, how, to, how to face these uh, situations. In God, it's God's will that one generation teach the next generation to how to obey and follow the Lord. The older generation can reach out to a younger generation to mentor them, and the older man can mentor the younger man, and the older woman can mentor the younger woman. And likewise, the younger generation can also reach out to the older generation to seek a mentoring relationship. May God help you to build mentoring relationships in the church between the generations, amen? And just to share from what we're doing in my church is that we have older adults sign up to be mentors, and then the youth and the young adults sign up to be mentees. And then we just pair them based on their preferences and who is available. We, start, we just started this mentoring program this year, and it's going well so far. For my mentees, I will meet with them every two weeks for an hour and then have various various tasks and also readings planned for each time that we meet. So that's for mentoring. So the next final one is the build relationships. The Gen Z uh, generation has been suggested by researchers as maybe the loneliest generations. And there are a number of reasons and many of these reasons are tied to technology. They grew up with social media where young people are constantly comparing their appearance and accomplishments with others. They fear missing out, FOMO. 
on social media, they need to make their lives look so happy and perfect. And this can be crushing to the self-image of a young person. And so may the older generation build affirming relationships with the younger generation, invest their lives and help the younger generation be all that God wants them to be. And each of you can take initiatives to build relationships with people of other generations at church. One way to show you care is to pray for each other. I still have a lot to learn, actually, to connect with my uh, Gen Z coworkers. Uh, one time I was reading something from the book uh, Emotional Purity, which I thought was really insightful. So I texted to my uh, college and young adult fellowship coworkers that, that section, and they were talking about how in the co-ed singles Bible study group, the members can bounce so closely together that there can be unhealthy emotional attachments. The book says they find all they need spiritually and emotionally within that group without any commitment to any one person. So in the next fellowship co-worker meeting, I asked the young adult co-workers what they thought of it. And they kind of just looked at each other and looked at me and, and asked us, so what are you getting at? So I said, well, uh, nothing. Just want to see what you guys thought of it. So this advice, they said, Mike, in our generation, we're always thinking what you meant when you say something. So you need to over-communicate with this generation to make clear your intention when you suggest something. We do value your opinions, but we want to know your heart and intentions rather than just your ideas. So I learned that day to over-communicate with this generation and share what's on my heart and, and um, intentions rather than just my ideas. I shouldn't assume that they know my heart and intentions without telling them. Uh, may God continue to help all of us. Learn how to communicate and build relationship between the generations, amen? So in conclusion, to summarize, there are two types of unity in the church that we should strive for, relational unity and unity in faith and knowledge. We need to make every effort to have these two types of unity through one, being completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, and two, that the servants of God will equip his people for works of service. And all this is in a relationship with the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we also looked at the different generations. To connect the generations, let us continue to serve together, mentor the next generation, and build relationships between uh, the next generations. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you because you have a plan for us to enjoy the unity in the church, this relationship of just brothers and sisters being completely humble, being gentle, being kind to each other, caring for each other. And also you have planned for us to be more and more mature in our knowledge of your son, uh, Jesus Christ, and, and our knowledge of you together uh, as a one body of Christ. So Lord, may you continue to work um, um, just um, in all of our lives in, in the church and to build up that unity, Lord, uh, the relational unity and the unity uh, in the faith and knowledge, Lord, and may you be glorified through um, just all that we do, Lord, to strive for unity, Lord. May you be glorified. May you continue to work out all the uh, issues, Lord, all the, um, uh, all maybe our challenges, Lord, uh, in the, um, especially in the Chinese church, Lord, and uh, may you continue to build a beautiful picture of unity between the generations uh, in church. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love to us and uh, just your um, just a beautiful plan for the church. And we pray this all in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ.
Amen.